Hi, and welcome to the podcast channel, Podcast My Business. And today we have James at OrigeGoEducation.com, and I will spell that, O-R-I-G-O Education.com. Um, they're a major supplier of uh, maths, tutoring and maths services in Australia and the United States. Um, hi, James. Hey, Tony, how are you? I'm awesome. What about yourself? Great. Yes, very good. Coping in this uh, unique situation. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, it's, it's um, see, kids say cray-cray. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I call it the event. So I'm just going to stick to that. It's one of those things. Um, and um, your, your background, you did a lot of printed mathematics books and services and things like that. Yeah. So how do you go from that to continuing the business online? Well, we were developing digital resources. Uh, we've been doing that for 10 years or so. So, yeah, when we first started in uh, – well, actually, this, this coming week is our 25th anniversary. So uh, we started uh, 25 years ago. Um, in my in my uh, garage or my house, and uh, we did print for many years, and then we, we ventured into, into the digital world. Um, we were probably a little bit ahead of the time because we we went in the digital world, and the and the uh, schools and teachers weren't necessarily ready for it. But um, in any case, we were well and truly ready for this situation, um, and we had to uh, pivot very quickly using uh, digital technology to deliver good content for. Well, I was going to say teachers then, but it's really a lot for parents as, as children were sent home uh, to you know, finish out their school year in the US. And here in Australia, we had to develop a program specifically for them. Mm. Yeah. So what about the, for the rest of the business? I mean, you would have had an office um, like all of us and so forth. And then, have, then everyone has to work from home yeah. on developing new resources, Department of Educations around Australia and around the states. How did you manage to cope with that? Yeah, well, we saw because I, you know, I have an office in the US, I was keeping track of all this. Uh, and we were all keeping track of what's happening around COVID. So we, we saw the writing on the wall. We realised we had to get everyone out of the office uh, sooner rather than later. So we moved before uh, most people were moving. So we just wanted more time to set everyone up at home, uh, make sure they all had the cables and everything they need before they all sold out. Um, and, yeah, and then, then we were set up. It, it didn't take us too long. There was, you know, some teething problems. But uh, but then we had to get down to business of creating this, uh, this new product that I mentioned. So, um, yeah, some challenges there. I mean, this meeting, uh, you know, like this virtually, uh, it takes a while to getting used to, um, but you know we have been doing it to some extent anyway because half of my team is based in the US. So uh, you know I think with that we were pretty well prepared to hit the ground running. Excellent. Okay. So out of that, what do you think would be good lessons for others in business to um, pivot so quickly? Um, uh, I know we've all had to do it, but yeah, I can think back. I can think back over a 25-year history to around three or four major opportunities, if you like, um, uh, and, and they, they, they come on through, you know, forces out of our control, like a, a brand-new mathematics syllabus, for example, or a new national curriculum, the first one ever in the US or the first one ever in Australia. And you just got to jump on that quickly. So turn that opportunity into, into something really positive. 
And so I'd highly recommend it to look out for those opportunities so that don't come very often. And you've got to be the first. You've got to, you've got to jump on that bandwagon and, and be the first. Um, you know, capture those early adopters and, be, and, be, and build your brand the fastest, basically. Uh, and, and that's what we did with this, with this new product uh, that, that we built uh, specifically for parents at home. Uh, it was called Origo at Home. So I have to uh, correct your pronunciation, Origo, which is uh, just Latin for the source. <laughs> How did so, I pronounce it? Yeah, uh, Origio or something. <laughs> That's all right. You got Nike. You got Nike. It doesn't matter how you say it. It's memorable, right? You want potato, to potato. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. So it's interesting because you're right about early adopters. I mean, certainly for me, I do the podcasts um, online. No need to do the face to face or anything like that, and it's been beneficial for me. But in these rapidly changing times there are opportunities so where do you see the market going across the board in um more online and so forth or do you see things coming back to a little bit more towards the normal or do you see the new normal it's going to be uh it's going to be new normal and that that is more online i can just see that 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 happening uh, we've had you know well and truly over hundreds of hundred thousand uh, users on our at-home uh, product, uh, which is free. So, so we're right now pulling together brand new product to, uh, w- with that in mind. We just realised that uh, in the US, school districts will need to buy products like this and, and to enable their ch- students to learn from home. Um, and, and fortunately for us, you know, we can do it in a short time because you know, a lot of our video content can be of this quality. You know, people uh, are more willing to accept social media quality video content rather than highly polished studio produ- produced, you know, video. Um, so, you know, because of that, we can produce it quickly uh, and, and get things for, for children and, and their carers or teachers uh, very, very quickly. So, yes, yeah, so that's how I expect the future to go is just more digital co- uh, content. Um, because it's just so uncertain. I cannot see us getting out of this for quite some time. Well, yeah, and that's the reality. Um, it is going to take time and there is the new normal and digital. Um, so what are some of the challenges, I guess, for parents as well, um, going from books which sit in front of the children to have to, do they have to monitor them more with digital or? Oh, I don't uh... They probably do have to monitor them more, um, but, but at least with digital, they can put them in front of the computer. Uh, whereas a, a book, a young child, you know, that they need to sit with the child. Um, you know, the computer, that the software, that the the online widget or whatever it is you produce can can communicate with the child, as in talk to the child. Can't not going to have discourse, but uh, can can provide instructions. So there's there's, there's benefits and you know, disadvantages, of course. But yeah, the challenges I see for parents is is really keeping their children engaged in learning. So it's not so much here in Australia right now because our children are back at school. You go back two months ago in April, uh, early May, when our kids are still, you know, told to stay home, basically encouraged to stay home. I mean, the children just didn't want to learn. They didn't want to be at at school. No, that's right. So it's really hard to engage engage children in, in, in learning and, and make it, essentially make it fun. Um, you know, that's a challenge. If you're a teacher in a classroom of 25 or 30 students, you can be 
animated, you can, you know, share share big stories, your know, storybooks, and you can make mathematics fun if you're that way inclined. Um, but you know, when you get home, for a start, a lot of parents have very bad experiences with mathematics when they grew up. So that, there's some anxiety there that they that they experience, you know. Oh gosh, I gotta teach mathematics, you know, I hate math. I was never very good at math, you know. They don't like that. So so they themselves don't necessarily want to do it. You know, particularly if their children are, you know, in, in upper primary school or, or in secondary school, you know, it's it's downright frightening. So yeah, it's interesting. I, I discovered that as well. I I'm, wasn't very good at, with maths at school. Um, I do a lot of different things and also um, do stuff with the Google algorithm, which of course is based on probability. Yeah. Which of course is still maths. Yeah. And were we actually taught probability? In maths at school, no. But by learning that maths can be fun, you'll explore more and you'll want to enjoy more and spend more time with it. That's right. Absolutely. Yeah, we've got to make okay. it engaging. Okay, that's cool. All right, so um, you started off as a teacher. Yes. And you then thought, well, you know, what, what inspired you to go from being a teacher to taking maths to the world? Uh, well, I was like you. I was never very good at maths, okay? When I was in, I went through primary school in the 1970s and, and, and then my middle school, high school in the 80s. Uh, mathematics was very procedural. You just had to memorise rules. Mathematics was the quiet subject of the day. You weren't allowed to talk or collaborate, you know? So I did not have positive experiences with mathematics. But when I got to university, it was then called Brisbane College of Advanced Education. This is in the very late 1980s. I had two lecturers husband-wife team, Dr. Calvin Irons and his wife, Rosemary Irons. And they opened my eyes to another way to learn and therefore teach mathematics. You teach it with understanding. If you understand area, you're more likely to be able to generate a formula for calculating the area, you know, that you have to get this dimension, that dimension, you know, multiply it, you know, even if you've forgotten the, the formula. You know, if you truly understand things, you, you, you can generate the mathematics and make connections between big ideas and mathematics. So it was those two who really inspired me. I went to teach uh, mathematics in primary school, of course. So, uh, I taught for a few years, and Calvin asked me to come back and to work with him at that stage. Well, I should say for him at that stage. Uh, so he was only, always encouraging me to do more study. So I came back and did a fourth year of study because when I went through it was a three-year course, so my fourth year, uh, my bachelor. I was able to do it all in mathematics. And it was during that fourth year, again, I, I developed a real interest. I won't say love. He is the love of mathematics. So I'd have an interest. Um, but, uh, you know, I went, yeah, this is, this. we have to share these ideas with people. There's not enough people getting these aha moments that, that I certainly got. And, 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 that, and we decided, the two of us, we, we would uh, found this company, uh, Origo Education, which was then in 1995. So that's sort of how it happened. Uh, prior to that, he had been writing for a small entrepreneurial business out of Melbourne, um, Mimosa Publications. Um, and then I, when I worked, he invited me to work for him just as a researcher to help him on some writing. I wrote with him for 18 months on that project and that product called Mathematics from Many Cultures that won the inaugural prize for the Excellence in Educational Publishing in Australia. So we've won several since. Um, but yeah, that really gave, it whet my appetite for, hey, I like this, not just the writing aspect, but the publishing aspect. Um, so, yeah, I was a one-man band for, for many, many years until things took off. 
Hmm. Now, that's interesting because that's a good story for business. So back then you saw the future and now we're just talking about the future after the event. So in relation to business, do you think you need to exercise the brain a lot about looking into the future in order to create new opportunities in business and look for new opportunities in business, especially in times of crisis? Especially in times of crisis, absolutely. But even when you're not in times of crisis, I think a good entrepreneur, a good founder, uh, for that matter, a good CEO, um, and I'm all three, or have been all three, uh, needs to do that. And they need to de- dedicate uh, quality thinking time, um, you know, to, to, to do that, exactly that. I just stood down from the CEO role, uh, stood down a month ago, uh, back as an executive chair. Um, and one of the main reasons for doing that is I just, I just lack the time to think. Um, I, I, you know, as CEO, I just, just got too many, as, as well as doing my, my executive chair role, taking on that role and getting into the details and managing people. I just lacked, I suddenly wasn't thinking at 30,000 feet. I was thinking, you know, I was down with the, the frogs rather than the birds. That's how I felt. Um, so I, uh, yeah, I, I needed to get out because you need to do that, uh, Tony. As you said, you just got to think more about the bigger picture. Where are we going to be in five years? Where's the market going to be in five years, you know, or 10 years? Absolutely. Yeah, and I think that's, that's the key lesson um, for every business owner and every business is to get out there and see what's new. Again, we've had this event. Don't think of it as a crisis. Think of it as an opportunity Get out there, seize those opportunities and look for those opportunities. Absolutely. It's definitely a crisis on our economy, on our health. Um, but you know, for the business, it is an opportunity. And it's up to me and the others in the business to, to, to turn that into a positive. Um, there is a, a, a lot we, you know, uh, we can do. Um, we, we have to hope we pick the right things and uh, really make a difference. Uh, we don't want to be going backwards. Fortunately for us, we haven't let anyone go. Uh, we haven't had to. We don't see a, a need to in the future. But, um, you know, we, we've got things in motion now. We've got to produce these new products for this new normal. Um, let's hope we get it right. And that's the other thing as well, of course, is that it forces you to evolve and it forces you to get things done. So, um, yeah, that's Absolutely. the key thing. Absolutely. All right. Great. James, anything else you'd like to add? Uh, uh, you mentioned tips Tips, you know, business tips. I, I, I do have a, a tip which is I very rarely hear, and I wish I had heard it um, going back, you know, ten years ago. Is I started the business and it sort of evolved organically, but no one ever told me start thinking about your exit strategy. Mm. You know, and I think any if you're going to write a business plan, I remember when I wrote that as a, as a turning point for me. I devoted weeks of thinking through that, but I never thought of an exit strategy what is my exit strategy and i really think you need to have an exit strategy at the same point you actually write your business plan um you know i I, five years ago uh, diluted my share of the company selling to a private equity firm i still own a majority share but uh you know that was um that the path we took but it was never our strategy it sort of fell into um my lap so uh, yeah that'd be my tip just think bigger picture again What's the business going to look like in 10 years, 20 years, 30 years' time? Yeah. I think we're all guilty of that. We don't think big enough. Yeah. It's hard to think that big. Yeah. 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 Anyway. All right. Great. Look, thanks very much for your time, James. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Tony. Good talking.